Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Military crash overseas. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Wednesday, November 29th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Officials say a U.S. military Osprey aircraft has crashed into the ocean off the southern Japanese island of Yakushima. Israel and Hamas have released more prisoners and hostages, but it's not clear how or when further exchanges will occur. On the campaign trail, the political network of billionaire Charles Koch says it's supporting Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. And the rising concern about ultra-processed foods in our diets. Most ultra-processed foods have two qualities. One is, is that to make them, companies generally break down whole foods and chemically modify them to create ingredients that you wouldn't find in nature. Like things like soy protein isolate, which is derived from soybeans, or malodextrin, which is a sweetener derived from corn or other grains. Andrea Peterson at the Wall Street Journal on whether your granola bar should come with a warning label. Today is set to be the final day of a truce between Israel and Hamas, which has allowed for the exchange of hostages and prisoners. Officials in Egypt and Qatar, chief brokers of the talks, are pushing the two sides to prolong the now six-day pause in fighting and start talks that would end the war. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby on American hostages. We don't have perfect visibility on where they are. Uh, we know Hamas can get to all the hostages if it wants to and, and it has the ability to do that. Uh, we'll keep pressing to get these Americans out as, as much as we can. The Wall Street Journal says a long-term ceasefire would likely require Israel and Hamas to make difficult concessions, such as trading Israeli soldiers for potentially thousands of Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. And it would require Israel to hold back on an offensive in southern Gaza intended to capture the Strip and kill Hamas's top leadership. And Hamas could also have to accept demilitarization. Israel has said the truce could be prolonged further, providing Hamas continues to free at least 10 Israeli hostages per day. The first of three U.S. military planes carrying 54,000 pounds of food and medical supplies bound for civilians in Gaza has landed in Egypt, designed to ease the humanitarian crisis during a break in fighting between Israel and Hamas. The U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID, said an Air Force C-17 delivered the supplies yesterday. They will then be transported on the ground to Gaza and distributed to civilians by the United Nations. Brigadier General Pat Ryder is Pentagon spokesman. Includes ready-to-use food, uh, foods for displaced populations. Uh, it includes uh, clothing for the uh, since winter is is upon us. U.S. aid says the U.S. has provided more than 500,000 pounds of food aid in just the last week. The next phase in providing support will entail allowing a flow of commercial goods into Gaza and setting up field hospitals. Vaccines are among the supplies being delivered, too, as are clean water and sanitation equipment to avoid cholera or typhoid outbreaks. The Japanese Coast Guard says a U.S. military aircraft with eight people on board crashed into the sea in western Japan earlier today. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. The Coast Guard said it had sent patrol boats and aircraft to the area where the tilt rotor V-22 Osprey crashed off the island of Yakushima. Nearby fishermen reported that three people had been found but that their condition was unknown. The crash occurred near the island's airport. Japanese media quoted witnesses who say the aircraft's left engine appeared to be on fire as it descended. The plane, which can fly both like a helicopter and fixed-wing aircraft, is operated by the U.S. Marines, U.S. Navy, and the Japan Self-Defense Forces. 
Gordon. Thank you, Mike. The deployment of the Osprey in Japan has been controversial with critics saying it's prone to accidents. The U.S. military and Japan say it is safe. In August, you might recall, a U.S. Osprey crashed off the coast of northern Australia, killing three U.S. Marines. Another crash-landed in the ocean off Japan's southern island of Okinawa seven years ago. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Wednesday. No government funding bills are scheduled to hit the House floor this week. An ominous sign for Republicans returning to Washington for the first time since their Thanksgiving recess. Lawmakers face a mid-January deadline to fund the government or enter a partial government shutdown. Losing an entire week without passing an appropriations bill won't lead to a shutdown, but it doesn't help either. It's a story by Emily Brooks, House reporter at The Hill. Emily, take us through it. So what we have to remember here is that there is this mid-January deadline for some government programs and then a February 2nd deadline for the rest of the government programs. And what lawmakers are aiming to do before that is finish passing those regular fiscal year 2024 full-year appropriations, which for the last many years have usually been passed in one big or a couple huge massive bills called an omnibus. Um, But right now, you know, House Republicans for the entire year have been aiming to pass these spending bills through the 12 regular appropriations bills process that was originally laid out that Congress rarely follows. So to pass, Democrats are not helping them pass these bills because uh, they don't agree with the spending cuts. But And once these bills are passed, then they have to negotiate with the Senate, which is passing them at higher levels. And so there's a lot to do just in itself before that mid-January deadline. But further complicating matters, House Republicans can't even agree amongst themselves about what the content of these final five bills should be and they have um there have been efforts from conservatives to tank some of these on with procedural moves on the floor some moderates have expressed uh dissatisfaction with things like amtrak cuts and and abortion measures in some of the bills and so there's a lot of discord in the internal gop and in the latest sign that this is just going to continue There are no spending bills set to come up this week in the House. Wow. 
We're speaking with Emily Brooks, House reporter at The Hill. Her story is called GOP Faces Ominous Signs in Effort to Avoid January Shutdown. So as you point out, too, like there's not that many working days left on the congressional calendar for, for these folks, right? Yeah, so with this bill not coming up for a vote or none of these bills coming up this week, there is only going to be about, after this week, 16 days left in session for the House. And that's not a lot um, when you're considering that Christmas break and the fact that lawmakers have to not only pass the rest of these five bills through the House, but then negotiate with the Senate. Um, and that first January deadline on uh, mid-January includes some of the bills that have really caused a lot of trouble and heartburn in the House Republican conference that they haven't been able to work out and get agreement on. And so um, it's not a good sign for their progress that after coming back after Thanksgiving and not being able to pass a lot of these bills before Thanksgiving, they are not slated to bring any uh, up this week. Boy, so what about funding for like Ukraine and or Israel? Yeah, so that's a separate issue. And that's um, an, another interesting thing that I think will be more of a live issue before the end of the year, whereas uh, regular full funding will be probably more of January question. But the House has passed an Israel funding, uh, Israel aid bill that includes a lot of funding cuts to the IRS. Uh, and that's something that, you know, they think that th those that aid to Israel should be paid for with those funding cuts. And th that's not something that Democrats and the Democratic-led Senate want at all. They think that it should be, you know, not conditioned on that. And they would also like to, uh, uh, like to combine that with uh, aid to uh, Ukraine. So, uh, Aid to Ukraine in the House is a big issue and kind of controversial as well. Republicans would like to see some combination of uh, border security measures with that aid to Ukraine. And the Senate is looking at a bigger aid package that combines Ukraine and Israel and border security changes. And so um, what comes out of the Senate will probably be determinative of how far the Congress can get in funding either of those priorities this year. Thanks, Emily. Emily Brooks, House reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. International mediators are working today to extend the truce in Gaza, hoping the territory's Hamas rulers will keep freeing hostages in return for the release of Palestinian prisoners and further respite from Israel's air and ground offensive. It will otherwise expire within a day. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby spoke yesterday about the latest release. We know that, that now with this addition, additional 12 today, so we're up around 70 or so hostages out so far, which is good. It's a good start, but it's just a start. The Biden administration has told Israel that if it resumes its offensive, it must operate with far greater precision. Number two. A U.S. military Osprey aircraft with eight people on board crashed into the sea near an island off southern Japan this morning. A regional Coast Guard spokesperson said the plane belonged to the U.S. military but couldn't say where it was based. There were no further details available. Number three. Embattled Republican Congressman George Santos of New York told colleagues he won't resign from Congress. In remarks ahead of an expected vote this week to expel the lawmaker over alleged theft and other wrongdoing related to his congressional campaigns. 
The process in which the Ethics Committee engaged was incomplete, irresponsible, and littered with hyperbole and littered with bias opinions. Support for removing Santos from office has grown in recent weeks, and colleagues said in motion two fresh attempts yesterday. Only two House members have been expelled since the Civil War, and both had been convicted of felonies. Lake effect snow warnings are in effect from Cleveland to Syracuse as intense snowfall slams the region. This Hamburg, New York resident says he's used to the snow. The first one is usually the worst because it's, it's warm, the ground is warm, and it, and it just pushes the slush. At least 23 vehicles were involved in weather-related crashes on Ohio's Interstate 271, resulting in serious injuries. The biggest snowfall was 23 inches recorded north of Syracuse. The first transatlantic flight using 100% sustainable aviation fuel has made its way from London to New York as the industry seeks to prove the viability of greener air travel. Virgin Atlantic's Boeing 787 burned a blend of 88% waste fats and 12% kerosene made from corn. All right, I'm impressed. Thank you, Jen. Workers may have rejoiced over big pay raises in the last two years, but the downside is they're losing non-cash company benefits. Here's Medora Lee at USA Today who looked at new data from Glassdoor. Medora, what's happening? So what's happening to afford higher wages, not avoid, but... um. So what's happening here is that, you know, we've had all these uh, companies having to fight for workers for the last couple of years. And so the workers have demanded higher wages. So what's happening is to pay for those higher wages, they are starting to cut your benefits. And benefits is so not isn't doesn't really show up very easily in your paycheck. So people kind of gloss over it. Plus benefits are kind of confusing for people. So, um, but I urge everyone to make sure that they're getting their benefits um, because whatever the company is not going to pay, guess who gets to pay it? You. Mm. Which benefits uh, are getting cut? Um, So some of the uh, popular ones that we've seen so far, like if you could believe it, charitable contributions, fewer companies want to match those. But we are also seeing, you know, typically you always see people's hours get cut if you're non-salaried workers. But you should also be looking at things like gym memberships, um, any mobile phone discounts you might be getting, um, and also your health insurance benefits. Um, the, the company can be contributing less and you'll end up paying more premiums. Yeah. And also your retirement plans. Some of them might take away matching, for example. Ouch. All right, so the health benefits can can sting. Um, and the, the, the 401k match can have long-term effects here. Uh, what are we to do as workers? <laughs> So yeah, this is a tough one, but what you have to do is first check to see what you're, what they're taking away and what you're gonna have to make up and then you're gonna have to budget for them. And uh, there's nothing you can really do to force your companies to give back those benefits. Um, so what you have to do is you really have to take charge of your own finances, understand what's going on and then try to budget for them and uh, make sure that you're still saving in your 401k and things like that so that you can keep growing your wealth. We're speaking with Medora Lee, personal finance reporter at USA Today. Her story is called Companies Are Stealthily Cutting Benefits to Afford Higher Wages. So that could ultimately mean in our paychecks less disposable income. So we might shop less, right? There's ripple effects to this. This is true. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, if you I mean, because you're going to have to start paying more for these things, you're going to have less disposable income. So that that should probably slow down the economy a little bit, too. 
Um, so that has a big broader impact as well. So are the benefits that are being cut offsetting the wages we may have gotten? I do think so. I know I hate to break the news to you, but it's so sneaky, isn't it? Yeah, you, seems that it, way. I mean, yeah, I mean, even I think in, um, I, this showed up even in the negotiations with uh, Ford and the union workers. Thanks, Medora. Medora Lee, personal finance reporter at USA Today. Now, more than ever, where you get your news matters. Start your day with the facts. This is America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Wednesday, November 29. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. A U.S. military Osprey aircraft has crashed off Japan with eight people on board. Israel and Hamas swap more hostages and prisoners, but the path to an extended truce is not clear. Lake effect snow warnings from Cleveland to western New York. A new report says suicides in America last year reached nearly 50,000, highest rate in more than 80 years. The college football playoff rankings Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and now Florida State. And sanitation workers answer the call of a lost wedding ring. That story in about 20 minutes. Well, should your granola bar come with a warning label? Concern is rising about the amount of ultra-processed foods in American diets and the effect of eating so many of those foods on our health. Insight now from Andrea Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Andrea, what is ultra-processed food? Well, the first thing is there's no universally agreed upon definition of what ultra-processed food is, which is a bit of an issue. But there is, there has been, the scientific community has really coalesced around a classification system that was developed by researchers in Brazil that classifies foods according to their processing and puts them in one of four categories. And the last, the, the fourth category is ultra-processed. And what that means, there's, most ultra-processed foods have two qualities. One is, is that to make them, companies generally break down whole foods and chemically modify them to create ingredients that you wouldn't find in nature. Like things like soy protein isolate, which is derived from soybeans, or malodextrin, which is a sweetener derived from corn or other grains. The other, the second sort of characteristic of ultra-processed foods is that they also include what this Brazilian researcher who co-created this system calls cosmetic additives, which basically they're things that enhance a food's flavor, color, or texture. So things like natural or artificial flavorings or natural artificial colors or emulsifiers. So what does that mean? So you open your story with like the example of granola bars. Like, right, and now right. I feel like so we, got, we, got, is, we got to raise right. alarms about everything. Well, the thing is that there's a lot of foods that seem like they might be healthy. Things like granola bars, most breakfast cereals, soups, a lot of yogurts that fall into this category. And the thing is that there's more concern now about these kinds of foods because there's been a rash of recent studies that have linked diets high in ultra-processed foods to increased risks of a variety of health problems, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, even depression. Wow. And also... Now, the government is actually taking notice of ultra-processed foods for the first time. So the government has what are called the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Every five years, 
they issue guidelines, which are recommendations of what types of foods Americans should eat and how much of those foods. And so the first time the government is actually asking its scientific advisory committee to consider how diets with varying amounts of ultra-processed foods in them influence body composition and and the risk of obesity. We're speaking with Andrea Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called The Trouble with America's Ultra-Processed Diet. How much of our diet consists of ultra-processed foods? Most of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's very hard. They're very hard to avoid. Um, according to recent analysis of federal data, uh, about 58% of the calories that U.S. adults Jeez. and kids, one and older, eat each day come from ultra-processed foods. And actually, among kids, when we're just looking at kids specifically, that's even higher, and it's growing. Oh, man. So in 2018, kids 2 to 19 had 67% of their daily calories from ultra-processed foods, and that was actually a jump from 1999 when it was about 61%. What do food companies say about this? They, as you can imagine, are um, you know are really pushing back against both this you know this 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 idea of you know, they, they, a lot of them note that there is no universal agreed upon definition of what ultra processed food is. They make a point, which a lot of scientists echo as well, is that ultra processed foods are not a monolithic category, that there's a wide variation in what in ultra processed foods. And, you know, even scientists who study them say and, and you know, nutrition researchers say that it's likely that some of them may not only not be bad for you, but they actually may be good for you. But the thing is, is that scientists still are trying to figure out what it is about ultra processed foods that make them linked to these increased risk of various health problems. And they're actually, they're homing in on some of the mechanisms, which is, which is pretty interesting about why they might be linked to these health problems. Thanks, Andrea. Andrea Peterson, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Wednesday. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, it seems to be a good day for stories about people being served up a side of disgusting with their food and drink. We start in Beijing, where a couple was horrified after realizing that they've been drinking toilet water in their new apartment. A man told the local news outlet that he began experiencing strange health issues shortly after they moved in in May, including an unexplained cough, hair loss, and even acne. It wasn't until the man realized that he hadn't paid a water bill in six months, yet still had running water, that he began to get suspicious. Eventually, he called in a plumber, and that's when the shocking discovery was made. An extra pipe that had gone unnoticed allegedly linked the toilet and tap water pipes. Ooh. Yeah, For six months, all the water in the apartment had been toilet water, which they'd been drinking, bathing in, and cooking with. The plumber was able to rectify the situation immediately, but the damage was obviously done. The man is seeking monetary damage from the rental firm who are claiming that he somehow signed up for this arrangement. Uh, It's your fault. Yeah, I see. Yeah, Yeah, one of those. You didn't read the fine print. Right. (laughs) It clearly said in the language that you're going to be drinking, bathing, and cooking with toilet water mixed in with your regular water. I mean, I I can't even. What in the world? I I know the legal system is different there in uh, in China, obviously, but if this had happened here, oh, the lawsuits. 
that'd be flying around right now. I was, I was just wondering, like, does this wind up being sort of a lawsuit against a government-type entity, in which case he will be told, sit down and shut up? Uh, that's what, Yeah, right? I, we, we don't know. We yeah. don't know exactly how it works oh, there, man. what the responsibility of which party is there. But, but uh, n- nobody should ever be drinking toilet water. By the way, g- good heads up by him and finally calling a plumber. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although, again, you know? it, took, it took him, like, you know, six, unfortunately I, six months to realize yeah, that they, that. you know, I haven't been paying for this water, yet there's this water coming through, and yet I'm, and I'm sick every day from yeah. drinking this water. Weird. And dietitians will often recommend health-conscious eaters add some protein to their salads, but not like this. A Connecticut woman is suing fast-casual salad chain Chopped after she allegedly ate a salad that contained part of an employee's severed finger. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, here we go. According to the lawsuit, the woman claims that the experience caused her to suffer various injuries, including nausea, dizziness, neck and shoulder pain, as well as shock and panic attacks. She says this happened in April at a location in Mount Kisco, New York, after a manager severed her left pointer finger while cutting arugula. Now, according to the lawsuit, the manager was treated at a hospital, but the contaminated arugula was served to customers, including this woman who didn't realize that something was amiss until she began to chew on a portion of the missing finger. You made that up. <laughs> Tell me you made that up. I mean, this one is, is right here in America. This, yeah. this, is, this is a lawsuit that's uh, in, in the open right here in the good old U.S. of A. Oh, my goodness. So I, I guess that means that the woman who severed her finger yeah. while cutting arugula mm-hmm. did not get it reattached since uh, a portion yeah. of it appears to be in somebody's salad. I guess they didn't look hard enough for it or maybe got lost in the big pile of arugula. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, usually oh. they try and reattach those things, right. don't they, when yeah, that don't happens? Don't you throw it on ice? Isn't that the, I don't know, you know, watch yeah. enough TV shows right. and movies, like you realize, just throw it in ice. Maybe and... that's just an ER thing. I don't know if that actually happens in real life. Holy smokes. Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, no, just you start, chew, start chomping down. And that that's, doesn't taste like arugula. Mm. Neck and shoulder pain, she's complaining Not of. sure what happened there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not sure where all those injuries stem from. Right, right. The, the, just the absolute shock mm-hmm. of it just threw her whole of her bodily organs into a tizzy. Unbelievable. Thank you, Mike. There's overwhelming evidence that walking lowers the risk of type 2 diabetes, along with other diseases like cancer, heart disease, dementia. The American Diabetes Association recommends taking 10,000 steps per day. You've heard of that. Or walking daily for at least 30 minutes to reduce your diabetes risk. Walking at a faster pace can improve that benefit, but researchers have not identified an ideal speed until now. NBC News looked at an analysis published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. It suggests that independent of distance or step count, walking at least two and a half miles per hour can significantly lower the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. That's the equivalent of a brisk walk, around 87 steps per minute for men, 100 steps per minute for women, on the treadmill That's a pace of 24 minutes per mile. Once people meet that threshold, the research says their risk continues to decline as they increase their speed. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The U.S. is pressing Israel to modify its plans for the next phase of its campaign in Gaza to better protect civilians and rebut criticism that the White House has given Israeli forces carte blanche to wage its war with Hamas. The U.S. pushed to have Israel fight a more targeted war signals a shift away from President Biden's full-throated support at the outset for the campaign to oust Hamas. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. I don't want to uh, give you a handicap here on this uh, or, uh, or or bet nods. Uh, I can just tell you that um, we want to see all the hostages out. 
The way, the way to do that is these pauses. While still backing Israel's objective to destroy Hamas, the U.S. is hoping to minimize the bloodshed, even as Hamas operates from civilian areas. Number two. The Texas Supreme Court scrutinized efforts to clarify exemption, exceptions to the state's abortion ban which is a growing number of women say force them to continue pregnancies despite serious risks to their health. Attorney Molly Duane represented the plaintiffs. The abortion bans as they exist today subject physicians like my clients to the most extreme penalties imaginable. Life in prison and loss of their medical license. The Texas lawsuit is among the biggest challenges to abortion bans in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. Number three. Hunter Biden offered Tuesday to testify publicly before Congress, striking a defiant note in response to a subpoena from Republicans and setting up a potential high-stakes face-off. Even as a separate special counsel probe unfolds, the president's son slammed the subpoena's request for a closed-door testimony, saying it could be manipulated. But James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, stood firm, saying Republicans expect full cooperation with their original demands for a deposition. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter's tribute service yesterday was attended by presidents, first ladies, country music stars, and other prominent guests. But it was Carter's faith and global humanitarian work that took center stage at the memorial, her son Chip. He told me that when Dad started running for president, that the thing that she enjoyed the most were the people that she met across the country. A private service will be held later today. All right, thank you, Jen. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. A New Hampshire woman's nightmare became reality after she mistakenly threw away her wedding ring in the trash, but sanitation workers managed to recover it. Wyndham General Services Director Dennis Senabaldi told WHDH-TV that the woman gave him some particulars at what time her husband threw the trash out, what was in the trash bag, and what kind of car he was driving at that point. WMUR-TV says he knew where the first scoop went and knew exactly on the floor it was. Then he reviewed surveillance camera footage to try to pinpoint the location of the woman's trash, the sanitation worker sifted through about 20 tons of garbage to find that diamond ring. The team of workers had to dig through 12 feet of trash bags to reach the right one. Two hours into the smelly search, the team happened upon the woman's trash bag. Mr. Senabaldi grabbed the ring, cleaned it up, and called her with the good news. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.